All right, the 2021 NFL Draft in the books, joined by Daniel Popper of The Athletic and making his roundtable debut, Michael Peterson, Bolts from the Blue. Gentlemen, how we doing? It's been a it's been a heck of a long three days, but it's been fun. I'm delirious. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's <laughs> something like that. You know, it was a long, long wind up to the draft and then the draft gets here and you realize that's a whole other animal. So, no, it's it's been a long time. So, Pop, I'm going to let you do your your victory lap uh, regarding your mock draft in a second, but let's go with the with the rookie first, uh, Michael. You're just oh, overall oh, impression first. Oh no, I'm going to go with uh, Michael first and get his overall impressions of day three before we let you uh, brag on your own mock draft. Yeah, so looking at day three, um, this was a day that I knew was going to be wild. Um, a lot of analysts didn't think there was a ton of talent to be had on, on day three as opposed to, you know, maybe last year where a lot of position groups were super deep. But the Chargers did a really good job of nailing a lot of their needs that were still left on the board after the first two days. You look at edge rusher, Chris Rump. You look at another depth tackle to provide depth for Slater and, and compete with Trey Pipkins there. Um, and then they kind of were going for some athletes and guys that were kind of for, for niche situations. You look at Larry Rauncher, a guy who falls forward and, and is great contact balance, right, for – red zone offense, getting those tough yardages. And then Mark Webb in a, in a safety group that had three bodies coming into the draft. That was big time for them to come away with at least one safety in this draft. All right, Popper, go ahead. It was good. Yeah, I mean, I want- it, pretty amazing. It was pretty amazing. <laughs> no, you guys well, start know from me. the beginning. I'm just going to be humble. I'm just going to be very humble here. You know, everyone gets lucky. No, hell no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> so here's what happened. Mock draft 2.0, I had Slater going at 13 and I had Asante Samuel Jr. going at 47 so that's two hits mock draft 3.0 I had Chris Rumpf to the Chargers in round five mock draft 4.0 I had Trey McKitty the tight end going to the Chargers that was a hit and then 4.0 I also had Nick Neiman going to the Chargers in the sixth round so I got the player and the round correct wow so I'd like to thank my mother I'd like to thank the academy um and <laughs> yeah that's it that's all that's, that's everyone that's i'd a, like to thank that's everyone but, but especially the academy no but in all seriousness they i feel like they had a very specific set of needs entering this draft and personal executives coaches can talk about oh we're going to draft best player available we're going to draft best player available that is true to an extent right you're drafting the best players available at specific positions of need i think the chargers did a really good job of getting value for the most part at positions that they desperately needed. They needed to add an edge rusher. They got a really good player in Chris Rumpf, who uh, had elite production in college and a good league in the ACC. They needed, needed desperately a blocking tight end who could come in at the wide position and impact the line of scrimmage. They got that in Trey McKitty. Obviously, the top two picks were no-brainers. They found a tackle, starting left tackle. They found a starting caliber corner. Uh, and then they needed help on special teams. They found that in Nick Neiman, a guy who has very fast, a proven tackler in college. Um, and then they waited like I thought they would. They, I thought they would wait and try and find a value safety late in the draft. And they did that in, in Mark Webb, a guy who has a ton of versatility, played mostly slot at Georgia. But as Brandon Silly just said, um, when we were on the press conference with him, you know, a guy that can really play all over. He has the athletic traits to play in the deep half. He can play big nickel. He even said that he could play some linebacker um, and a guy that has only been playing the position for four years. He was a wide receiver when he got recruited to Georgia, switched to safety. So you're talking about a player with a really high ceiling with his athletic traits. Um, and then as Michael alluded to, um, found some depth in the offensive line in, uh, in Brendan Hymas, a guy that can play that was a tackle in college, a really good left tackle in Nebraska. 
um, but they feel he, like he has some inside flexibility. So I feel like they hit on pretty much all of their needs. The only one that I felt like they didn't get to um, was defensive line depth. Um, but if they're higher on the guys that they have on the depth chart, they're high on Cortez Broughton. If they're high on Braden Fajoko, um, then, then they feel like they can coach these guys up and get them to a point where they have some decent depth. I still feel like they can add somebody. So I wouldn't be surprised if they, if they really go heavy on that position uh, among these undrafted free agents um, or look for somebody in, in the free agent market. But they did an outstanding job of addressing needs and finding value. Michael, you try to find themes within a draft. I think you alluded to this in the, the presser with Staley. Five guys from the Senior Bowl. Now, sometimes that's coincidental because there's a lot of good players at the Senior Bowl. But nonetheless, five guys. And then I look at uh, Rashawn Slater. His dad played in the NBA. Asante Samuel. We, we know who his dad was, right? Uh, Josh Palmer. He was teammates with Asante Samuel in high school. There's so many like wild connections here. Trey McKitty was at Florida State with Derwin James and Gabe Neighbors um, and Asante Samuel. Uh, Chris Rump's dad was in Tennessee with Coach Ansley, and he's the son of a coach. Brendan Hymas, I, I guess maybe just senior bowl. That's, a, that's the one connection I got. Uh, Nick Neiman's got a, a brother. Uh, his, uh, his brother's uh, a, a chief. Ben right Neiman now, for the Chiefs. Yep. Yeah, Ben Neiman, linebacker yeah. for the and, Chiefs. And uh, Iowa. Yeah, his dad is the is one of his assistant coach at Iowa right now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then and Mark Webb said he he's good buddies with Nazir Adderley. They played Little League together. They're both from Philly. So uh, a, a lot of cool kind of themes throughout this draft, Michael. Yeah, and that's what I wanted to ask Staley about, uh, you know, just before this is that it was an unconventional season, right? We're still dealing with the pandemic. Uh, medicals were something that was so hard to come by. Um, that and it was incredibly important, something that Tom Cholesco alluded to before, um, and they needed some way to minimize risk. Obviously, you don't want to waste any picks on, on anybody. You want to hope for the best, and, and hopefully your work speaks for itself. So you look at the Senior Bowl, and yes, you know they want to say it's, it's coincidence, and to a degree, sure, but it was five last year as well. And, and the Chargers, um, even through the Anthony Lynn regime, uh, was at least three Senior Bowl players each year. I believe it goes all the way back to 2015. So, you know, last five or six years, they've really leaned on this game, this all-star showcase to make sure they get high floor players that have all field intangibles as well. Tons of experience playing uh, against, again, the top talent in the nation at the senior bowl. So uh, it just makes too much sense, you know, in a season like this to find ways to, to feel more comfortable about your picks, especially when you have, you know, the most Tom Telesco's ever had in nine, I just think it's a, it's a great idea. Popper take Asante Samuel jr. And Rashawn Slater out of it. Uh, What's your favorite pick uh, of the remaining seven? Ooh, um, I think it's it's Hymas. Um, This is a guy, and, and you know, Brandon Thorne is an outstanding offensive line evaluator. He runs a, a, a newsletter called Trench Warfare, and he was very, very high on this guy. Um, you know, had him as a second or third round grade. It sounds like the Chargers had a, had a similar uh, feeling about about Brandon Hymas. Um, but you know. I felt like they could have gone for an offensive guard earlier in the draft, but they found a guy that has tackle guard flexibility, which is key. I mean, you talk about all the injuries that the chargers have suffered in the offensive line. A big reason they weren't able to overcome that is they didn't really have those flex guys. Now you're, you're, you're bringing in a bunch of guys this off season that have tackle guard flexibility. Matt Filer obviously was a right tackle with Pittsburgh before he became a left guard. He has the ability to kick out to right tackle in a pinch. And now you have a player in Brendan Hymas who, they will probably start out at guard, but in a pinch can play left tackle, can play right tackle. And, he, and he's a great technician, yep. a polished player. And I think that's the key with both of these linemen that they brought in here. These aren't developmental projects, right? 
These are guys that got drafted because they are sound technicians. They are polished players. They are savvy. They are smart. And people that these are, these are offensive linemen that are going to be making an immediate impact. So no shocker here. My favorite pick was the chargers taking a second offensive lineman. No one, (laughs) no one on earth should be surprised by that, but Hey, give them credit. They did it. Yeah, I was just going to say the positional versatility of, of both Slater and Hymas is going to be a big deal for this offensive line. What about you, Michael? Yeah, so looking back, uh, I, I know we're not talking about Slater or Samuel, but on the call to Slater, he did mention to him that he wants to be a line of scrimmage team. So, yes, the Hymas pick is awesome, but for the sake of diversity, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at Trey McKinney here. Now, this is a guy, when the pick happened, a lot of people thought, you know, this might be a little bit of a reach. If it's just to get a blocking tight end, then this is a type of talent maybe you could have, you know, on day three at some point. But when you kind of understand the process and realize how important he is to rounding out the line of scrimmage for the offense, it is five offensive linemen, but you do need a tight end that doesn't just catch passes, but needs to block as well to round out that whole unit. And, and to be honest he was underutilized as a pass catcher um, both at Florida State where he, w- he was fine but six catches on 10 targets in Georgia kind of looks a little concerning but you know the postseason interview the pre-draft interview one of those things is the senior bowl where he had a good week I mean, he had a very notable one-handed catch over the middle with a guy draped all over him um, he, he made plays when he needed to uh, average I think 10 yards per catch um, over his last couple of years in college so you know he can get good chunk yardage when you need it um, I think it's an underrated pick again probably at, at face value Third round picks a little odd when you realize how valuable they may hold that type of player uh, within the Chargers organization. You start to understand the pick a lot more. Yeah, and we have a, a film room with Matt Miller on uh, both McKitty and Palmer that should be out here in the next day or two. Uh, it, it's certainly worth a watch because, listen, uh, these guys, especially in the SEC, a, a guy like Palmer uh, going up against – the, those Georgia DBs and uh, Patrick Sertan. I mean, he had some good games against some really good competition, Popper. And, and it adds further competition in that wide receivers room. Obviously, we don't Keenan and Mike are, are supplanted there or uh, are firmly planted there. But uh, you talk about T. Billy and Jalen Guyton and Joe Reed, some competition there with Palmer. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and he, ha- he presents a different kind of skill set, right? Um, you know, with Jalen Guyton and Tyron Johnson, those are two guys that are speed players. They're going to be vertical threats and get down the field. Uh, although Tyron Johnson did show a, a route tree, a more developed route tree, a more refined route tree towards the end of last season. Um, we're talking about a physical player. Um, he's uh, physical at the catch point, refined route tree. Um, so he's going to do some different things than Jalen Guyton and Tyron Johnson do in the passing game. Um, so he's going to be a nice fit. And the one interesting thing that Brandon Staley said about Josh Palmer is we really view him as an outside guy, but we feel like we can move him into the slot in certain matchup situations. If we feel like we can get a matchup against a smaller nickel corner, if that's the personnel package that the defense is out with, we feel like we can win in the middle of the field in that situation. If they have a linebacker that they feel like they can bring Palmer into the slot and win there because he is fast and does have good short area quickness. Um, so, I, you know, I like the fit, but on top of that, it's interesting how Staley's brain works. He's always thinking about matchups. What can I do with this player to exploit certain matchups? And I thought that was really the fascinating takeaway for me from what Staley said about Josh Palmer. Uh, But the one thing is you said that, you know, the top of the depth chart is set in stone. Mike Williams is on the final year of his contract. And the whole thing about operating an NFL franchise is always giving yourself flexibility, right? So you bring in a wide receiver here with a third round pick who you feel like has outside capability as a starter. And that gives you the flexibility 
when you go to the negotiating table with Mike Williams to potentially let him walk in for ages next year, next year and have a replacement on the roster. So that, you know, when Tom Telesco says that, Hey, we're not just thinking about 2021, we're thinking about 22 and 23 and 24. That's what's going through his mind because you always want to have options uh, when you're going to the negotiating table and figuring out, you know, your, your options for agency. Guys, I'll get you out here on this. It's been a, a long weekend, but you know, I go back to 2018 when this team was 12 and four, it, what happened that year? They got contributions from so many different rookies, which really helped them beat the Ravens. When you talk about what you did with that strip sack, Derwin James, Justin Jackson coming up big in Pittsburgh. Um, I think we're all assuming a guy like Asante Samuel and Rashad Slater are going to start week one. Um, who are the rest of this bunch do you think could make rookie contributions? Michael, we'll start with you. Um, I think you look at some of the day three guys, and, and what I'm going to point out is, is Nick Neiman as guys that are going to be special teams contributors. After how the special teams unit performed last year, um, yes, the easy answer would be uh, Slater or Samuel as a starter. But we know these day three guys are going to play special teams. And, and if they're able to sure up that unit and start making plays, start limiting returns, start causing fumbles in those areas, that's a really quick way to turn around the luck of a team during a season if, if it's not going too well. And, and so for this next season, again, they can have all of the, the potential in the world. If a special teams unit goes out there that isn't prepared and is anywhere near what it was the past few seasons, um, it can do a season real quick. So I like a lot of these guys, but a, a Nick Neiman, a Larry Roundtree, who said he was, he was one of the guards on special teams coverage. Uh, he was ready to play coverage. special teams, Michael. He yes, was ready. He, he was, <laughs> no, for sure. He, he really wanted to hit home that, that the only way he could get on the field as a freshman at Missouri was special teams. And although he was kick returning, which is a little more glamorous than just blocking or covering kicks, you know, uh, but these are guys that seem hungry and ready to play. And, and I feel like if they're able to make something happen on special teams in, in 2021, then this team's going to be looking bright. Popper, what about you, bud? So just going back to what you said, one draft can change the direction of a franchise. I mean, you look at what happened with the Bucks 100%. last year, right? They get Tristan Wirfs, Antoine Winfield, and then they sign Tom Brady in for agency. They make a big push in for agency. And all of a sudden, they're Super Bowl champions. Now, obviously, Tom Great Brady point. is Tom Brady. But you they don't win the Super Bowl without those draft picks. You look at the Colts turning things around. In that one draft, they got Quentin Nelson, Darius Leonard, Braden Smith. All of a sudden, they have building blocks. So you, one draft can change everything. That's why this is so important. That's why this has so much intrigue. My guy here, Mark Webb. Okay? And this is why. The Rams last year took two safeties in the sixth and seventh round. Jordan Fuller at free safety, who played – started 12 games and played at a really high level as a rookie. And they got Nick Scott in the seventh round, who was like their third safety. And it was playing about 50% of the snaps over the last half of the season. Brandon Staley is fantastic at developing defensive backs. And he's got a great coaching staff in place that has a proven history of developing for defensive backs. Renato Hill turned Justin Simmons into an all pro player. And he just got paid a lot of money. So they, he said, we have a professional defensive back developmental program here. He means that. And it's true. You get good coaches, get their hands on, on good athletic traits and great things can happen. So that's my guy. I think he can fit in a big nickel role. I think he can fit in as the third safety there behind Derwin James and, and Mr. Adley, which allowed them to use Derwin James in all these different roles. So that's my guy. I think he can have a huge impact as a seventh round pick. I love this because my guy is Chris Rump, uh, a, a guy who yeah. I think can get to the quarterback. Uh, Brandon Staley also could develop guys on the edge. You talk about Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, um, uh, Khalil Mack. 
And, and Rump said he bottles his game after or looks up to guys like Mac and Von Miller. So, you know, what Chenna was able to do, I think Chenna's going to obviously get more reps in, in 2021. And maybe Rump is that guy that comes in in certain situations to get after the quarterback. So the new Chenna, uh, the new Chenna. The, yeah. He could be the new Chenna, which is, yeah. a, which is a good thing, which is a compliment. So, guys, uh, thank you so much for joining me. After the draft, I know how exhausted everybody is, but uh, I think it's important to, to go through a lot of these guys that, that were selected on day three because, listen, Rashad Slater, Asante Samuel Jr., they, they're going to get a lot of deserved shine. But these are the dudes, like you said, Popper, they make a draft, they can make a season for a team. So thought the Chargers had a good weekend. Um, subscribe to Popper's YouTube channel. Check out Michael Peterson on Bolts for the Blue, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris.